I'm Maria Menunos, and you're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz begin. What's up, AfterBuzzers, and welcome to the Barkskins After Show. Today, we're talking about episode two, The Turtle King. My name is Carrie Lane, and I'm joined by my history expert host, Rachel. Hey, everyone. I'm glad to be back. And uh, Rachel is also reading the book and has a fun special segment we'll have later on talking about the history versus reality in the show and the book. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we have a couple people in the live chat. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. And if you're watching this later, no problems. Come down below. Uh, Rachel, we're on to episode two. What did you think of this episode and how the show is progressing? Well, it's interesting because we're getting... We already, the setup for the conflict was definitely there in episode one, but now we know for sure um, certain people's involvement, uh, mm-hmm. specifically Cook's involvement in what happened to the settlers at the beginning of episode one. And it just, um, I feel like they just expanded on what we kind of already had predicted, but it was really interesting to see these things play out. And I will say as a history person, um, to see that the big bad is really the British makes a little, I mean, not to say that the British are the big bad, but um, in in the history, in the historical sense, if we're looking at the French and Indian War and we're looking at New France in general, the big battle was between France and England. Nice. Yeah, I thought, I think the show is definitely keeping it, us engaged. There's a lot of webs being woven and some of our predictions kind of came true into this one. Uh, we'll have more predictions later, so stay tuned for that. Um, but yeah, let's go into it. So we have, so one of the characters that, um, is an interesting development that I was like, okay, what did you think of Cell and Marie's relationship progressing to something? I don't know. I'm kind of curious on Marie's motives. Well, there's something I know that I don't want to say based on the Is it from the book? Okay. It is from the book. I don't want to say exactly, but I will say this. Um, I do think that there is some chemistry there. And okay. I do think that now, you know, not to jump ahead, but knowing what we know about the Fee de and one mm-hmm. of the other characters, I kind of feel like they're pushing it in a certain direction. Um, mm-hmm. I will say this, though, in episode one, and as I was starting to read the book, I did not realize that Trepanet was not actually married to Marie. Same. I was like, wait, aren't they married? But in Marie's conversation with Cell, he's like, oh, you're going to live in that special secret manner uh, as husband and wife. And she's kind of like, yeah, sure. And that felt very weird. And they have a child together. And it's like. Well, the thing that okay. struck me as being odd was with Theo, the child, mm-hmm. when Marie said specifically that one day the land would be his. Yeah. Um, and one of the things I was kind of doing research on before the show today was whether or not that would have been, you know, out of wedlock if a child mm-hmm. would still inherit mm-hmm. the land. And it's a little bit, you know, this is New France. This is, you know, this is uncharted territory. It's a little bit different than, you know, being back in Europe. <laughs> yeah, I was kind of curious on how that would work out. Um, and if she's not like officially his wife, can he take Trepanier? Can Trepanier take a wife? And would Marie want to still stick around? It's like, yeah. OK, 
okay. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, they have their moment where Cell sees them in the manor house, which, what do you think about that with all the secrecy there? Well, I think now knowing what we know that they're not actually married and that um, we have that whole concern with Marie where she needed to know what the letter said, because I think for Marie, mm. she does want to be the wife. And so, but it ha she is a secret, which is part of the reason why she's out in the middle of nowhere at this very, you know, this very secluded cabin. Um, I feel like that was done on purpose, knowing what we know now. I feel that's so obvious, but I didn't even think about that as a thing. Cause I felt like, yeah, she just lives out, you know, in the woods, like they're people who enjoy the being secluded and, you know, away from it all. And so that didn't seem that weird, but that makes a lot more sense. Uh, also, yeah, them keeping secrets in Manor House, um, and then she also makes a point that uh, Marie makes a point about how with the letter that they just want to essentially fill the land with children and be like the women are pretty much baby making machines, which ah, no thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's I mean, I guess that's the whole theme, considering that's, you know, we have the Fidawa and the other women with the mother. And then now, yeah, it's like, it's like, literally, that is what um, the females are there for at this point. Yes. And apparently do cleaning, which uh, with Lafarge, how he was treated, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, also with Sal and Marie, yeah, the scene we also had them with the lake and that was also very weird and mysterious but we shall see uh then that leads us to cell and trepanier which was an interesting scene too the at the fireplace what kind of a man are you and a man of my word which it, it's not really that weird but how much trepanier keeps asking that question to him I'm just like, what are you, what, what do you, what, what answer are you waiting for? Well, one of the things is that Marie made it a point to, to really say that he's drinking again. And I mm. felt like that contributed to how he was acting, but also mm -hmm. he was still trying to vet Renee and, yeah. and basically figure out, okay, well, are you going to be like Duquet? Are you going to run away? Because in the book, I will say this they make it more obvious that Duque actually runs, not mm. for his safety, but runs away, like on purpose. Mm -hmm. So I feel like based on what I know with the books, that even though I interpreted Duque's actions as a little bit as being out of fear and not to run, but more because he was trying to avoid danger in episode one, knowing mm. what I know now from the books, I'm thinking that he ran and that everyone, Trepanier and Renee both know that. And so uh, Trepanet is just making sure that Renee is not going to do the same thing. Yeah, I think you're right there. And um, with Duque, his character is definitely interesting, which speaking of that, which we'll put a pause on Trepanet because his arc yeah. is more towards the end of the episode. But with Duque, I kind of thought it was funny when he tries to light the fire and then it rains. And I'm like, wait, maybe this is a sign <laughs> from whatever you want to believe in saying maybe this is a bad plan. Because uh, we've we've had sprinkles of supernatural and other things, so I thought that was funny coincidence. Um, yeah, and I love what Elwood Reed said in the last episode where we were talking, which mm -hmm. is essentially the conversation we were having about 
this show specifically sh- like portraying how people view events um, mm-hmm. and that could incorporate some of the paranormal that we do end up seeing and I feel like we got some of that in this episode yeah we'll we'll hold on to yeah, we'll, yeah we'll hold on to that uh when also there we go okay what did you think when yeah so he's hiding in the little mud hut which I thought was smart-ish I'm like well maybe they won't see you but yeah that the native <laughs> group finds him we don't know specifically what group they are do we because we don't know um what tribe they're part of they didn't specify but okay. I was assuming it was the Iroquois and that the mm-hmm. whole point was that you know we we have not yet officially met the Iroquois we have mm-hmm. only seen everything through the settlers perspective and mm-hmm. through the characters we've already met. So I thought the whole point was that it would be the Iroquois and that we see that they're not at all the way that they've been portrayed. Yeah. Oh, I think that's a good to assume then because we haven't seen them on essentially their own terms. We've only seen them through the invaders terms. Yeah. And yeah, they do the turtle shell on his head. So that could essentially be our turtle king for the title of the episode. Uh, I, I don't know what item it was, but I assume it was food that they peed on and handed to him to essentially humiliate him. Yeah, um, it was, I think it was some kind of food, uh, obviously not good food. It looked yeah. like it was as hard as a rock. Um, the thing that I found very interesting, though, going back to the turtle, is that mm-hmm. in most native tribes, the turtle is symbolic for earth and for longevity. And so I know we were talking before the show, wondering, you know, what they could have mm-hmm. meant by Turtle King as the naming of the episode. And this particular scene, I think that's where they got it from, is it was supposed to be very ironic in the sense that obviously Duque is the king of nothing, but in his mind, like he's, they put this tortoise shell on his head. And so now like he's the king of begging. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's pretty much, that's kind of how I was taking it, um, is that point. they... Yeah, and um, also Duque, like we started to see that even in this very fragile, you know, bottom state, he's still like, you know, like beggars can't be choosers. Well, he's being kind of choosy, um, not so much with the food. Obviously he ate food with pee on it, but um, I just kind of found that interesting. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. He left the turtle shell on his head. So speaking of that, where he goes next, that he goes to find the tribe and left it on his head. I would, I guess you could assume he did that to appear less threatening when he goes there to be like, hey, I still have that thing you did to me. And then actually speaking of longevity, I think that maybe is a thing to his character that he will do anything to survive. He'll eat food with pee on it. He doesn't care. He just needs to survive. And that kind of also goes to Trepanier and Sel's conversation of that Duque is a rat and he is, you know, he just will, he's going to thrive in a way, which I think may be. Uh, I love when the one member of the tribe says, uh, yeah, we speak your language and we speak it very well. Yeah, which, I, I did like that. Yeah. And uh, that also speaks back to our last week's episode with um, Elwood Reed and saying how absolutely they would speak the language. And it makes sense too. If you're interacting with different cultures 
and you're having to trade, you're having to negotiate, like you're going to learn some of the language for sure. And I like that that finally was represented instead of the like, I'm going to speak very slowly because I speak your language. You're like, what is that about? Yeah. But yeah, yeah, this, I liked it a lot more. Yeah. And they were just very, um, I mean, I know like what Elwood said is that um, he worked with a couple of different people who specifically told him, no, like this is realistically any member of a tribe would talk just like anyone else. And mm-hmm. I, I, I really appreciate that that's exactly what they did and that what they're doing with every character um you know whether they're french or english or a part of one of the native tribes they we will hear their accent but they still speak at the same pace Um, which yeah which to me very realistic and Mm -hmm. it would not make sense if we saw them if we saw people speaking any other way and also we could assume just for viewing tv purposes they could be speaking french or something else but we're watching it in english like you know how some movies and shows do that where they are probably speaking another language like they start and then it transitions to english you know what i'm talking about yeah no i think that they're speaking i think they're all speaking french except for Mm -hmm. when we hear the native um, tribe they're probably i mean we actually heard them when they were speaking their language yeah um I that, would, yeah. I'm presuming that everyone, unless otherwise noted, I'm assuming that everyone is speaking French because that would make because it's sense. New France, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I could we could think that the British would impose having speaking English with them or something like that. But yeah, if, I would think if they also. were, yeah, but yeah. Um, and then I I didn't think Duquet was in so much peril at the end did you think he was his life was in danger the way they take him away and he's like no I'm like I don't think they're gonna kill him or anything I think they feel bad for him and they're viewing yeah. him like um like a puppy dog or like a lost yeah. child yeah, yeah. I, I don't think they're gonna hurt him I think they're just playing with him yeah yeah uh so then the other thing that was going on that was interesting we have Cook who is First, we see him doing a business deal that's he's definitely a tough negotiator and wants it his way and doesn't want this land that these people are trying to sell. And do you think there was any more to that or just showing us what kind of a businessman he is? I think that was the point. I think that we'll probably see um, the constable again. Um, But I feel like Cook, we just needed to see how ruthless he was. Mm-hmm. Um, and hit and the way that he would negotiate with his own bargaining power. And um, I also think that we needed to see how people like the constable view him, how they mm-hmm. view Lafarge, because we had that moment of tension with the transition between the two characters kind of switching places and one exiting and one coming in. So I think that that's what we just needed to see. And I feel like the constable more represents the average person in the settlement. And mm-hmm. so we can kind of see how they might view these people. Yeah. Uh, then that leads us, yeah, Lafarge when he comes in. So our predictions came true. It is true that Cook hired Laforge, Lafarge to get rid of this settlement. I Do we know how many people? Was it just like one family living there? I was a little unclear. I thought it was maybe just one family unit or was it bigger? I'm assuming it was bigger. That it okay. was huge. Yeah, I thought it was some kind of like massive 
um, massacre and that they had killed all these people. I don't think it that was just sense. one family, but um, maybe it could yeah, be I, a few. Yeah, we don't it could be the one house burning, right? Yeah, um, we just don't know if yeah. it was. Yeah, I mean, because you know, sometimes a settlement will actually have walls around it, and on the inside, there mm-hmm. are multiple homes. So I'm not 100% sure. I'm just assuming that it wasn't just one family. Probably, yeah, it could be like maybe a few units of people that live together, like, you know, a couple different family that all were like, hey, let's go yeah. to this area over here. Um, but we learn that, yes, he wanted them dead, but to clear it out. And it's just awful that Cook is so nonchalant about it. Yeah, whatever, it's killing people. But then again, he's very much like, I don't want to know what you're doing. And yeah, you told me it was done and to clear the land. I was like, oh, what a awful but very plausible thing that people would do. Well, it's like Cook wanted it done, but he didn't want to know the details out of fear that the details would basically entrap him and and make Mm -hmm. him you know, part of, like, a co-conspirator, even though he is, yeah. the like, he is not the co-conspirator, he is the one, like, telling them to do this, but yep. um, it's, like, you know, the less that he knows, the better it will be for him in case he's ever, I don't know, asked, but maybe not so yeah. much asked, but, like, um, just if he doesn't know the details, it'll make it easier for him to cover things up. Yeah, uh, he, he has more deni- plausible deniability, there we go, and yeah. It's just like, wow. Um, but not surprised because we, we kind of saw that coming. And I, I like that the show so far is giving you those clues and hints, but not making it so obvious, but it's not so out of left field that you're like, wait a minute, where how did where'd this come from? So there's probably more to that land that they want to take over that they wanted. Uh then what did you think? So we have the other issue that we were concerned about. Lafarge and Mathilde, we were worried about how she would get involved. And yep, because he goes there and he's like, where are they? But she really wants to protect the girl. I, I think she, it's very commendable how compassionate she is towards this girl. I, I bet it reminds her of her daughter. And so she's ready to take care of her and protect her. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, Matilda is very quickly becoming one of my favorite characters. Um, just how quickly um, she was able to help someone who was traumatized and mm-hmm. I felt really bad for the young girl too. Um, I mean, oh, yeah. we, saw, we saw her at the beginning of the episode of episode one and just mm-hmm. the way that she's running, we don't yet know who she lost. I mean, mm-hmm. presumably everyone. Um, and yeah, just seeing how this young girl is trying to um, how she's just sort of trying to heal and process what she's been through and yeah. Matilda taking care of her and just, you know, trying to be a good person. I heard the name Radette. Is that how you heard it too? Or yeah. the, what they named her? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, also, speaking of Matilda being such a great character, I like that she uses the best weapon essentially she has against her husband, Francis, of, well, do you want me to visit your bed? <laughs> I was like, hey, woman, yes, use what you have against him. And it worked. Yeah. Yep. Took the girl in and taking care of her. I'm glad, though, um, that does cause the problem later with, oh, bringing in poor Tom, because he doesn't know. I really, I think he's just too young to understand how bad his father is. I kind of want him to figure it out sooner than later. 
Yeah, and we did get a call back um, to Matilde saying, you know, don't talk to me that way and don't mm-hmm. point a knife at me. And I thought the callback was excellent in terms of what ends up happening. And um, with Tom, I I think that he has the potential to be better. But mm-hmm. of course, when you have role models who are killing people and telling you to do certain things, you're going to listen. Yep. Uh, I'm just glad his knife is just that small that when he stabs her, it isn't from Gomes as he says, you know, it's not, you know, you'll be okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, our organs are kind of close to the top in a way, but you know, it's not like he had a giant knife and like ripped up her insides or something. So. Yeah. Um, and I could believe it. I mean, the way that he was stabbing, he obviously didn't yeah. know what he was going for anyway. And yeah. Um, yeah, she, she didn't seem like she, she seemed like she was in pain, but not that much pain. Yeah. And not probably too much of a cut that, that she would have to worry too much on blood loss. I bet infection is probably going to be the bigger thing she'd have to worry yeah. about at this point. No penicillin. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then poor Tom bumping into Trepanier with the girl and Trepanier like knocks him down. Like, what are you doing, punk? And I like that that poor Tom and I feel bad for him, but yay for Trepanier being there. Yeah. And I think it's funny because the whole time, one, Trepanier, he's been just kind of singing and talking to himself about his new wife coming to town. Mm-hmm. And also right after he does this and they have this whole scene with Tom and the girl escaping, I found it very fascinating that he's walking off singing about the light as he's going into the depths of this dark forest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's such a kooky character and just walking through the forest without a light or anything and he's just, whatever. Yeah. Uh, then we have we'll come back to his final bit too well actually yeah so trepanier we have him go off into the woods by himself at the end yeah he walks to the woods he has no fear really he's not a all animals just tripping and falling you know could be dangerous for you but he doesn't seem to care at all uh and then, yes, he wants that letter and everything, which I want to know more about. Wh- why does he need this kind of particular wife? What's wrong with Marie? Is this something like what are the legalities of why he proceeds with this chain of events? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then the other moment with him that was really interesting. What did you think of him? One that he and the captain have the discussion about cross being missing look out for gomes and the fact that cross was working on trepanier's property hmm. so um when you say cross you're specifically talking about the Cathar um, cross yes no no yeah. no sorry um two things one the man who's missing whose last name is cross um right. and then also we'll talk about his cross with the priest yeah um, but when Riddell Cross. Yeah. So um, I I think what's interesting is that they've set up this mystery with Cross and mm-hmm. the you know where is he like and so I I'm th- I think that that is you know very um, like a very interesting through point that they have and mm-hmm. I'm kind of now I'm very interested to find out like more about this guy and how he's involved. Yeah, because he's also involved with so many different 
parties, which is yeah. interesting. It's like, hmm, what is this person? What do you do? And then speaking of cross, the other kind, <laughs> uh, that moment with Trepanier and the priest and the raising of the bell and him wanting to help, but they weren't okay with it. What do you think of that? And do you know more on the cross that they weren't very fond of? Yeah, so um, it's interesting because we were just talking about this on the last episode with Elwood Reed, um, and he specifically brought off brought up um, Catharism and that specific sect and how it was looked down upon. And um, so here's the thing: is that just from a historical perspective, it actually goes back to antiquity, and this has been around for a long time. Hmm. Um, but it's I, in terms of the episode and what he was going through, I thought that it was an interesting way to bring it into this and show what a, you know, what another Christian might think of a man who has a Cathar cross, even if Trepanier is not someone who necessarily practices um, Catharism, just the fact that he would have a cross that's been, you know, handed down to him in the family. He's all, um, it's yeah yeah it's like oh I can't work with you yeah 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 exactly exactly but like the way that he's looked down upon just for having it um but yeah catharism uh it's this is not a new thing this is something that is you know this it's been around for a very long time do you know why the priests would be so against that sect like why what what was the beef between them so all I kind of know is um that it was seen as heretical, but I don't 100% know why. I can definitely look that up and we can discuss it more for next time. Um, but I know that there were just certain practices that the actual, um, they, yeah, there were certain practices that did not, you know, were, were seen as being against the church. I feel this might be something that comes up. So yeah, we should look into it and chat more on it because most or a lot of different religious groups, once like one branch goes off and does something a little bit different, they're not really happy about it. And so, I mean, it could be the smallest of things that could create the disagreement, uh, you know? I did a really quick search and yes, the just from, this is from ancient.eu. So just to cite my source here, but apparently the Cathars rejected the teachings of the Catholic church as a moral. Mm. And most of the books of the Bible as inspired by Satan. So um, the Cathars rejected the Catholic Church. So I'm sure in turn, the Catholic Church rejected yeah. the Cathars. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, actually, speaking of Catholic Church, then that leads us to the interesting thing with Gomes and the priest and Yvonne. Because one, that Gomes does not want the other priests to see this person um, because uh, he might change his testimony. You know, remember, they're like, we won't get information out of our priest if uh, the other priests come and talk to him. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. Uh, also, we had the moment with, where did it go? I'm trying to put my just here. Um, yeah, no, don't want the priest. I thought it was really sweet that Yvonne wanted to read the poetry to the priest and it did have a calming effect. Yeah, and he mentioned it was Milton too. Mm -hmm. um, so I found that very interesting. And um, I was a little bit upset when um, 
that was taken away. And mm -hmm. I mean, we could see, we could see that it did help the priest and mm -hmm. uh, that he just, I don't know, like I, speaking of the priest, like I'm really hoping that this is a character who can eventually be okay again. Um, I think so eventually, but it's going to be a slow process. Yeah. And we don't really know yet what he's been through exactly. So. Right. I am curious because, yeah, the poetry made some kind of a difference. And I think he would have to, I mean, I feel like he's just still in a state of shock that yeah. he's not going to communicate. And because we saw with Rendette that she, you know, she was crying at different points. She wasn't speaking yet, but she seems, she seems to be more engaged and aware with her surroundings compared to the priest, um, yeah. though she does have a better person caring for her because uh, I like that they just throw the priest in the, the stables like oh yeah he can stay out there it's like aw I feel like they're hinting at like going back to the paranormal I feel like they're hinting at the fact that the um, priest might have seen something like demonic mm. and that's what really has him spooked versus the girl um, it was just the experience of what she went through that has yeah. her you know riled up yeah, well, we did talk about in episode one um, for the moment when he sees something that we as the viewers don't see it, but there was something kind of there, and clearly there was for him. So if it really was there, we're not totally sure just yet, but the priest saw something that disturbed him so much that he's in this state. Probably more before that as well. So yeah, well, we shall see. I feel it will unfold later. Um, also, I like that Matilda opens up to Gomes a bit of tells him and confesses about Lafarge of like, hey, this is what's going on. But Gomes, you know, is offering help and assistance with her, which I like. He's like, I'll just be down the hallway. Um, and he does a decent job of helping her out. So I was glad that he was a bit involved, but unfortunately did not prevent the murder of Francis. And uh, I thought it was almost a fire happening downstairs, but like it was so smoky, but it didn't look like anything, just looked like unattended rather than burning the house up. Yeah, I just, I didn't take that it was a fire. I kind of just okay. saw it as, um, yeah, I saw it as being unattended. And I also think they were just trying to get out the fact that this was a very chaotic situation. Um, yeah. And things seemed to happen, one, really fast, but also mm -hmm. this episode in particular, I thought was even darker cinematically than what we saw in episode one. And so it was harder, like there were moments where it was just harder to um, see what was happening. And I think that was done. On right. Now, another question kind of historically and just your opinion. I like that Gomes is going around with his long barreled musket. I would think you'd want a shorter, more of a pistol walking through a house. Outside, maybe the musket would be a better idea. But they have, we've seen them have pistols. Um, I mean, from what I know, I think that the musket was the weapon. Um, and yeah, yeah, as far so as I know- You could use it to it stab somebody almost, you know, like hit them. Yeah. As well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think that there was probably, I mean, one, stab someone, hit them with it. Um, I know from just the fact that like, you know, I specialized in the Civil War and mm -hmm. I remember them kind of showing us 
how long it would take to reload a musket. And so obviously that is not an easy thing, but in a situation where you desperately need it, you, mm -hmm. yeah, like just using it to actually cause blunt trauma might, <laughs> might be the way that the weapon went. True. I mean, you can at least hit somebody with it and still keep your distance. So yeah, it just looked almost silly seeing Gomes go through a house with it that I'm like, I don't know if you're going to be able to maneuver so well, but he did. So, you know, he did that well enough. Um, the other moment that we didn't quite get to yet with Lafarge with him. And I, I heard it as Henry, like moth, the man in the campground. Um, was yeah. I thought, uh, so I like that that was the confrontation and our confirmation, like, okay, you hired, Lafarge hired these people to do it, and Lafarge was there too, and wanted to, they sent, and then even another level that they hired the, the Iroquois to go in, and then they killed them, which is like, wow, level, level upon level upon level of information of hiring people to kill people. What was super... What was super disturbing is when he shows up, when Lafarge shows up at the campground and Henry stepped out and said, I'm not doing this anymore, goodbye. <laughs> I was like, Henry, like, don't you realize you're gonna go back into a tent, there's a fire. I knew Lafarge was gonna do something awful. Um, I thought it was either gonna be the fire, which is what he did, or almost thought he was just going to be like, screw it and kill him and just take like boiling water and dump it on the tent or something. Mm. But I knew I was like, what does that guy think is going to happen? Well, like, he clearly he doesn't fear Lafarge, but it's like, uh, he's in a state right now that I wouldn't turn my back yeah. on him. Yeah. No. Um, which that clearly does not go for well for him. Um, I guess it's good his lover ran away and got out. That was an interesting moment, too. That was like, oh, look at them adding that little piece of information. Yeah. Uh, and a, I'm pretty sure it was a guy as well, um, which is, again, interesting to put that level of information in there rather than just, like, we could have seen nobody there. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that was a very formidable man, but apparently fire not so much but he might not be dead but he's gonna be burned bad i don't think he's dead i think that yeah i think that he might obviously have some major burns but yeah. i think the whole point was just to scare him into yeah. submission yeah oh yeah for sure all right and then the next chunk of people we have is our young ladies with the nun and they're gonna go see claudette in the woods i i don't know like would you think that's a good arrangement that this home so far in the woods or would you rather be closer to town? Oh, well, me personally, closer yeah. to town. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, definitely at this time of the world. I mean, nowadays you could live out in the woods and be a bit not as yeah. much in danger, but then? Mm. Yeah, no, I'm sticking with civilization at that point. Uh, well, just because conveniences too, like you don't have everything in your house. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Um, there is a bit of tension going on at the house. Uh, I like the our nun getting rid of the husband. Like, we're going to talk about lady things. Go away. <laughs> and he's like, oh, okay, sure. And what struck me as interesting, too, is that you, back then, it's like now, if someone is going to, if a group or people in general are going to come visit you, 
they text you and you have, you know, 20, 30 minutes, however long to get ready. Yeah. Even if it's a very impromptu visit, this is like, oh, hey, we're here. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me, uh, and, and like, it was really awkward because Claudette was like, yeah, uh, I'm not in a place to see you guys and can't really send people away in this time. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if she's exactly the best, like shiny example to show these other women because poor Claudette seems overwhelmed she has her three children already is pregnant but uh yay for melisande uh for the assist yeah and yeah that was an interesting like thing and she so claudette has the i picked wrong and she's like do not pick anybody who's gonna live outside of town and she mentions how her last child almost killed her which Mm -hmm. yeah i mean even today giving birth is dangerous so even back then, it's even worse. Like, yeah, way worse. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what did you think of Melisande knowing immediately, like, all right, here's what you take. The fact that it conveniently grew there. And then the, I guess I didn't realize it would work that instantaneously. I thought maybe it would be like, you know, your next cycle or something, it would go like, it wouldn't be instant. All right, I gotta go in the water. And <laughs> so I, one, I almost was worried that this was going to kill Claudette. I thought um, so too. She looked very pale. And, and then we still don't know that that isn't what happened. The other mm-hmm. thing is that uh, Melisandre is showing, is showing a lot of very, um, like negative behaviors, like tripping the mm-hmm. child. And I went back and I rewatched that particular scene three times just to make sure she had been the one to do it and to watch her facial reaction. And yeah, it was definitely her. Um, and her, like, even just the way that she was speaking about God to... Um, oh, yeah, the kid? Yeah. Oh, yeah, but like... Mm-hmm. But I was just going to say, um, with the bark, I almost feel like she knew... A, that that would work because that's what she had used Hmm. that makes sense but if she it's interesting then it grew in france and here because that is you know something she did back in france yeah this is another but maybe it's a similar thing that she do about or whatnot Uh, they had it imported in france mm, that's true that could be it uh yeah i noticed that also the moment with um her and the bunny and it's on a snare and she's like oh should i put it out of her it's misery and delphine's like absolutely but melison's like oh sorry dad and i'm kind of wondering if there's these are some kind of like sociopathic hints for her character i think so too um because it's one thing i mean first of all nothing we don't we don't know her backstory 100 percent yet yeah. But presumably this was, you know, she's been through a lot to get to this place. Yeah. Um, but uh, just the fact that she's, she didn't want to spare, she didn't want to put the rabbit out of its misery. She tripped a child. She was really quick to help someone. Like, I understand if someone doesn't want a baby and helping them. And like, that is, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging her for that. But the fact that I almost feel like Melisandro wanted her to kill the baby even if Claudette mm. wanted the baby I, I kind of feel like that's where she was going with this and also, also she tells oh go ahead well and the other thing is that I almost wonder that's why I wonder if Claudette's gonna live because I'm mm. almost thinking that um Melisandre gave her 
like too maybe too much of it or mm. didn't tell her yeah like I, I don't know well the other thing Melson tells her essentially to cut her husband's parts what did what she said she had a funny word for it um she was ready to be like yeah just cut his junk off I was like wow that's you know that's an extreme okay you don't want to make babies and she's like oh just close your legs and Claudette also points out that we're only here as baby making machines and I think it's very interesting that Melisande is ready to she is not ready to accept that as her future and so I'm really concerned for what may happen for her because she might find a man that could be compatible with her but I'm not really sure yeah and yeah. I also am not convinced that they get to pick the person they marry. Right. You know, I'm a little confused on that. Um, like, it I- might be... Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. I, it might be a situation where you can choose, but your choice is one person. <laughs> mm, yes. I really... Yeah, because the whole point is that the, the females are there in this program to populate New France. Mm-hmm. And so um, I don't think there'd really be that much of a choice if someone is a, like, I, I, this is kind of a prediction, but I have the feeling that Trepanier might end up with, uh, Melisandre. Yeah. Well, he makes it sound like he can pick, so I don't know how that works. Yeah. Um, Was was there anything else in the episode that we didn't cover before we get to predictions and our special segment? I think we hit it all. All right. Um, So before we do our predictions, we're going to do our special segment where we look at the history of the real history and if there's anything in particular that is different from the book. So Rachel, take it away. Awesome. So um, for this segment, so I am reading the book. I will, um, I wanted to get in a little bit more before discussing some of the differences. I will just say though, um, and this is kind of a spoiler, so I will say- Mm. Maybe we'll tiptoe around it in a way. Yeah, um, just kind of getting back to Renee and Marie. Mm. I'm just going to say there's something more there uh, in terms of what we're going to see. I won't specifically say what it is because I don't want to ruin it for anyone who is mm-hmm. watching. And also, um, Elwood Reed did say that he used the book as a basis but changed a lot of it anyway. So I don't want to... You know, I'll talk about more of it next week as we start to see more of what they're doing in the show. Um, In terms of the history, though, I wanted to talk about Quebec City um, and just give like a really brief historical overview because um, we've heard Quebec City mentioned. um, And I just wanted to say that uh, Samuel de Chaplain, he founded Quebec City in 1608 um, and also is credited as the founder of New France, even though there were other settlers there before him. He's really the person who's given credit for this. Um, mm. and he's the one who fort, who built the fort on the banks of the St. Lawrence, which now is called Place Royale. Um, and without getting into this too much, um, this is all, um, so we have all this. So 1608, Barkskins is around 1693 when we start. Um, as we talked about last episode, it goes over 300 years. Um, but it starts in 1693, um, and the, um, the reason I was kind of, it was interesting we mentioned the British earlier, because Britain's naval supremacy is the reason that uh, we see the fall of New France, and General James Wolfe ends up 
taking over Quebec City in the summer of 1759. So we're about, oh, 60-ish years um, before that happens. And so uh, New France, yeah, RIP. <laughs> uh, so it didn't, it, the, yeah, the British, uh, it, it, the British are like the number one, like, you know, obviously um, there were issues between settlers and natives, but the British versus the French is really the big battle that we start to see in this hemisphere in North America. Um, so there's a lot to talk about, but just for the sake of time, I'm going to move on to La Fille de Roi, which is the King's Daughters. Um, we've seen a lot of that in these two episodes, um, but just to kind of specify what that is, because we, you know, we don't quite hear exactly what it meant. Um, it was actually 800 women that's, they consider it to only be about 800 women who were part of this program, um, who traveled to New France between the years 1663 and 1673. Um, and so that's kind of off from where we start in the book, where we're seeing 1693. Um, mm -hmm. So it's a little bit different from history then. Um, but it was, the, this program was sponsored by Louis XIV of France, and he paid for the passages of these women to New France. And so that's what, that's what um, distinguishes them from other women who traveled to New France. These women, they actually had their journey, they actually had their travels paid for. Um, they were also sometimes known as the king's wards uh, because they were under guardianship essentially by the king and, you know, or by the mother, whoever. And um, the other interesting thing is that Hillary Clinton, Madonna, and Angelina Jolie, they are all related to women who were part of this program. Um, and so I just found that very interesting. Um, the last thing I wanna talk about is that, um, I know last episode we were talking about whether um, Elwood, Elwood Reed had mentioned that some of the women who came over could have been prostitutes. Um, mm -hmm. Apparently that was, from the research I was doing anyway, apparently that was more, um, there were a couple of cases where women were prostitutes before they came over, but typically they were not um mm. and that that the prostitution was more of a rumor than a fact so mm. yeah that was uh those are the things that i found for this segment today and so was the king paying for this because yeah he wants to populate his new territory and make it his people essentially yeah What's exactly exactly they wanted more they wanted to populate new france and that was the goal yay uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> It's like, mm, okay. All right. Uh, thank you very much. It was very interesting on getting info on that. Uh, so now let's get into some predictions. Um, let's see. Do you have any? All right, Rachel, do you have any burning predictions? You said you had a couple that maybe you'll save for predictions. Yeah. Um, so I'll just say this again about Trepanier and, um, Melisandre, I feel like that's what's going to happen and that it will be Trepanier deciding who he wants. He's going to pick her. Um, mm -hmm. It will not be a choice for the women of the program. They've been misled to believe that it is their right. Um, they are, I don't think they have that right at all. I think that that was just a selling, like, you know, bargaining chip to get them to come over. Um, but that really they are seen as being beneath men. And so if the man wants a certain woman, he's going to get that woman. Um, which obviously I think when Trepanier gets uh, Melisandre, um, I feel like 
that's a, it's going to be disaster. And um, there's going to be a lot of things that she does to try and hurt him. That's what I'm predicting. Um, I, oh man, I want to predict this. I'm just going to, like, I'm sorry. This is from the book. Um, Renee and um, Marie, I feel like they are definitely hinting that there's going to be something there um, and that there's going to be a relationship. Um, in the book, they are married. So I I don't know. I mean, we don't know if they're going to do that in the show. So I don't think I'm really giving anything away. I feel how hard Marie's coming on to Renee Sell. I feel something's going to happen there. The question is, can they maintain a relationship and would they want to stay where Trepanier is or would they go off and make some other space because she says, you know, this property is going to be her son. So uh, that's, I don't know how that's going to work out. But if Trepanier gets a wife, is he okay that Marie's with somebody else? It's like, We'll see how that works. I'm really curious to see how that pans out. Um, I like your theory that um, Melisande's going to end up with Trepanier. I feel that's going to be an interesting way that they'll come together. Um, but I'm boom, sorry. Um, <laughs> the, I, I do agree that I don't think these girls really get the choice they think they have. Maybe they get a little bit to pick. Maybe they get a pool to pick from. But I don't. I don't think it's as grand of an experience for them as they have been led to believe um i i think gomes now that he knows how lafarge has been kind of in doing something shady that's going to come more to a point that's going to be a problem uh i i don't i'm curious i think matilde's uh, gonna do really well actually now that her husband's gone like she seems like such a strong woman i just don't know of what should be allowed to do because she's a woman like can she is she allowed to own the inn is she allowed to run it and everything because she has a she's she's very smart she's very go-getter that probably can take care of it all but we'll see um and i think it'll be at least maybe a couple more episodes or so before the priest and um redette redette can say can express what happened I do think the girl will be the one to say something first, though. So we'll see a lot of predictions there. But yeah, we'll see how those unfold. Anything else you want to add, Rachel? Um, I don't think so. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much for everybody who watched us. And if you're uh, watching this later, please comment down below what you thought of this episode. And if any other moments stood out to you and what are your predictions on what goes down. And if you're reading the book, how are you liking how the show is keeping up with the book or changing things? But don't get too much ahead because not everybody's reading the book. Well, thank you again so much for watching. Uh, Rachel, where can people find you online? You can find me on Twitter at Rach Goodman. Nice. And you can find me online. My name is Carrie Lane. At, you can find me online at Carrie D. Lane. That's K-A-R-I-D-L-A-N-E. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.